Hello, and welcome to New Jersey is the World. I think it was the great Counting Crows, and definitely only the Counting Crows, who said they paved paradise and put down a parking lot. Now today, we're doing an episode called Gone But Not Forgotten, because that's as true in New Jersey as anywhere else. I mean, Lord knows Jersey loves a good condo complex, a good mini mall, a good box store. We knock everything down. And a lot of those are things that stood for many decades and that really helped define our childhoods. So we're going to talk about all of them. But look, we're structuring this episode differently because myself and Mike D and Bonaduce, obviously, we have the things we remember. But it's not just about us. It's about what we all remember. We wanted to make sure you guys were really represented in this one. Thank you to everybody who left voicemails about the things you haven't forgotten that are sadly gone. We're going to spread a bunch of these throughout the whole episode. And we're going to start with a look at a place that we got more voicemails about than any other place. It's the Circus Drive-In. Hey, yo, uh, Chris from Brielle here, uh, calling to lament my long-forgotten Circus Drive-In. It was a, uh, I guess a drive-through, drive-in, uh, I guess like a diner-type deal. I don't know. The food is very similar to, uh, I guess like Sonic, if it was like less fresh. Pretty much all you could order there without getting sick would be um, like a milkshake, or I prefer the orange whip, which is like, I don't even know if you can find that anywhere. Like, what is an orange whip? Um, and maybe like french fries to, to just at least enjoy yourself without getting sick. Um, but the, the spirit of the circus drive-in was in the fact that you were... 17 years old and just got your first car and were able to take all your friends to sit in a drive through a restaurant and look at the creepy clown sign, which is the only thing that's still there from the restaurant. I don't understand why they haven't taken it down. I don't want them to take it down. I kind of want to keep it for myself somehow. If anyone out there wants to sort of form like a coalition of people defending the circus drive through sign, please let me know. Um, I'll be happy to break some laws in order to obtain the neon iconic sign on Route 35. Um, but yeah, RIP Circus Drive-In, man. I mean, it's been probably like five years since they knocked it down, and uh, I miss it. I, I still miss it, even though I'm older and probably would go there less. But, uh, you know, it's my childhood right there. RIP Circus Drive-In. Thanks, Chris. And hey, if anybody wants to join his coalition to defend that clown sign. We're really happy to help coordinate that here at New Jersey is the World. Now, as you can imagine, a lot of the places people remember are restaurants. One of them happens to be from West Orange. And guess who else is? The Wotown crew, as you know. Let's hear from Sam, and then let's hear from the Wotown gang about the one, the only, Pal's Cabin. What's up, Chris? This is Sam. I'm from Bloomfield, New Jersey, and I'm pretty sure you're from West Orange, New Jersey, so I figured I'd give some love to the Pals Cabin on Prospect and Eagle Rock and their cream of mushroom soup, I believe it was. That place was unstoppable, and it's a damn shame it turned into a CVS from what I remember. Love the show, man. Thanks for my call. Take care. I think if you ask any West Orange resident, who who was there literally up until a couple of years ago, if you said, what's the one place in West Orange that uh, 
doesn't exist anymore that is truly heartbreaking. I feel like almost everyone would start with Pal's Cabin. True or false? Pal's Cabin, legendary eating establishment. 100%. Pal definitely has a special place in like my heart. And- the thing that always fascinated me about Pal's Cabin as a kid, right? You would walk in and you would, you would go in this little area you know, before you would get your table or whatever. And there were all these black and white framed photos on the wall. The Powell's family owned their own cattle ranch. Really? Oh, yeah. That was like one of their big. And that was like before it became like shishi to have like, you know, uh, you know, farm to table, farm to table, <laughs> artisanal. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I love the like, yeah, that lineage was just like amazing. Yeah. Now, a couple facts about Powell's cabin. It started out as that tiny cabin Nick mentioned in 1932. Okay. It did not shut down until 2013. Shh. Turned about a solid 80 years, if I'm doing my math right. And uh, 70 years. Uh, nope, 80 years. I don't know if it ever changed hands hands in that it time. It was all but owned by the Horn family the whole time. The whole it's time. now a CVS, which, Ugh. you know, at the very least, if you're going to knock down this institution... Um, Let's 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 just make sure we replace it with something that there's a uh, one thousand of within a ten minute drive. Every single intersection in New Jersey has a Rite Aid and a Walgreens and like whatever else on the other corner, like three competing uh, pharmacies. Yeah. So why not destroy a, a township uh, landmark? You know. Couple pals cabins facts. One documented fact, not an urban legend. It was one of Babe Ruth's favorite restaurants. He used to play golf at the Crestmont Country Club and then he used to go eat hot dogs at Pal's Cabin. Hell yeah. Two, do you guys know who, the musician who used to play piano at Pal's Cabin, who had his career somewhat launched there. It was one of his first jobs when he moved to the East Coast from Wisconsin. A figure that when I tell you his career germinated in West Orange, New Jersey, you're going to find it unbelievable based on the culture of West Orange, New Jersey. I want it to be Uncle Floyd, but I know it isn't. Yeah. When you said piano, the only thing I could think was like Liberace. It was Liberace. No way. When he was 18 years old, Liberace was hired for a stint. No way. Piano That's fantastic. Cabin. Pal's cabin. I, I'll, I'll. That's insane. I'll look it up right now. Yes. Can we, uh, Liberace, very flamboyant, man. He was paid. Very flamboyant? I mean, I think he invented... I mean, to be honest, right? Yeah, but like he was... He was the inventor of that style. He was like accepted by popular culture and, yes, uh, at a time when it was not like... And people would be like, oh, they're like, no, Liberace's like a ladies' man. They're like, no way. He's wearing an all rhinestone outfit playing a piano with a candelabra. The, contra- <clears throat> the contrast of that, too, right, is... Liberace wearing like yeah like gold rhinestone jumpsuits and Pal Cabin is like this dark wood runyon esque like but back then he was probably super like super oppressed like gay guy you know probably in like the fifties or something you know well who kn- here's what I do know I do know that in 1937 was when uh, Marty Horn and Roy Sale the co-owners of Pal's Cabin expanded from just that shack you mentioned Nick to uh, having a dining room called the Pine Room yeah. They hired an 18-year-old man, Vladju Valentino Liberace. He played for six months, earning $40 a week. And the piano that stood in Powell's... big money back then. The piano that was in Powell's cabin until the end was the piano bought for Liberace. It was purchased for Liberace to play on. Where the hell was the piano? Was it downstairs or was it up in the the back area? 
No, I'm I saying because I can't remember a piano being in there. Well, our project to place gorilla historical plaques around West Orange, I think we've got another candidate is to go to that CVS and install a plaque and say this was Libera- Liberace's first professional engagement occurred on this spot. Let's take a break from talking about places we used to eat. Let's hear more about places we used to shop. Going to hear from a few of you about some of those retail places from our youth before everything was a chain store. And then me and the Wotown gang are going to step back in with another memory of our childhood. Another place in West Orange where one of the most humiliating experiences of my life unfolded. Hi, my name is Heather, and I grew up in the Paramus area, um, and I am calling to talk about the old Bergen Mall's basement. Probably a well-known story, but I'm going to go through it anyway. So, um, I forget when it was demolished, but the building has been replaced by the new Bergen Town Center, I think it's called, um, and moved out of the area a while ago and have no plans of ever going back. Um, but the old Bergen Mall was incredibly 70s. Everything was like slightly avocado or orange or brown tinged. Um, and the basement was straight 1950s. So there was this tiny series of shops in the basement um, called, I think it's called, it was the village center, the village shops. And they were like tiny, almost um, toy. <laughs> it was, they, they were so tiny. Um, and, most of them were not filled by the time I was going there in the 90s. Um, but it was, it had the weird feeling of something encased in amber. Uh, there were like little, each little storefront kind of looked like a Western town. I think that was the idea behind it. And it was just, it, walking through them, was like being underwater. It was just quiet and surreal. And the reason I would have to go in there was because my great aunts who lived in the area, who were both, you know, both never got married, they got their hair done at a salon there. And so when I would have to take them, afterwards, I would insist on going to the chapel in the basement there, which was also very strange and creepy. And it, I don't quite know how to describe it. It was, it was very, um, (laughs) I'm at a loss for words to describe it. It was unsettling to say the least, but it was a really interesting part of my childhood in New Jersey, and I just wanted to share that. Hi, Chris. This is Dana. I'm calling just to talk a little bit about a store that is that was in Clifton. Um, is called Romance, and this store was a part of the um, Sirtown um, strip mall in Clifton, right off of Route Three. And this place, when I describe it, people. Uh, people think that I'm lying or making it up, but it was there. I would say it was there until I was probably about maybe 10 years old. Um, so 90s, um, 
90s, probably 80s as well, um, when you walked in, so it was called Romance, right? Romance Emporium. And when you walked in, basically everything was velvet. There were gold carpets. Um, you would typically go there for a gift for a woman, probably. And they had all of these extravagant candies and, um, you know, hats and scarves and it was like, it was like being in an art exhibit. So every area had a different purpose. So there was like a candy area and then they had a whole nail polish area and you could just buy these, like every shade of nail polish you could think of, um, they had. And it was, re- it was really weird. It was like this cross between like, between like almost being in a uh, like nineties, uh, like a nineties maybe strip club, and also like in a Victorian home at the same exact time. Um, the mannequins would be wearing these ridiculous um, like outfits, and it kind of felt like share from. Share from Clueless's wardrobe just like blew up in there. I vaguely remember being able to get um, like fresh made peanut butter there, and I also remember there being three floors. So it was like every floor had a different theme, and just basically everything was really luscious and um, rich. And I hope that I'm not the only person who thinks of this or remembers it, but um, I really miss romance. It's People still refer to the um, strip mall as the as um, being romance. So hopefully that is helpful or not. It almost feels like it didn't exist. But um, good luck with everything. Bye. All right, let's uh, let's move on there and talk about a place that it's so funny because this place I have so many actual fond childhood memories of. But I look back and that is so sad. We did also used to cause a lot of trouble there. Big part of growing up in West Orange was Caldor. Yeah. It was like our Walmart. It was next to the Pathmark. I've looked it up. It was like a north I it was like a northeastern specific yeah. department store chain. You get real cheap stuff there. I was there all the time as a kid. It was like uh yeah, it was kinda like you had Newberry's a little further down and I guess that's Cedar Grove over there. But like Caldor was like our Walmart, like so you didn't have to like drive up whatever, like Route 10 to go to, you know, East Hanover or Livingston to like, you know, whatever. But you could find like, you know, household items, uh, you know, clothes. clothes. Yeah, it was, it was exactly like, you know, exactly exactly like a like a Walmart or like a Three Guys or whatever, electronics. It was kind of dingier than a Walmart, though. No, much dingier. Yeah, well, it transformed over the years. Yeah, by the time we were in high school, it, like Caldor was like on the way out. They were probably like... You know, one or one or two of like the last ones around, and you know they they used to have boot almost like it wasn't bootleg because they were stored things, but it would be like like when Cavaricis, Z Cavaricis were a, a popular pants, they sold their own version called Z Calvaricis. 
the Caldors. We have Y. We have Y Cavariches. Oh, yes, it was that they really did. They sold Calvariches, Caldor Cavariches. Yeah. Oh man, I, I, like my heart goes out to the kid who had to wear Calvariches because you know in West Orange that that poor kid was probably tortured, right? People, would, you either wear Cavariches or you, or you don't. don't wear yeah, you're, you're wearing Calvariches. <laughs> and I was a not Cavariche wearing fucking kid. There was no way my parents were fucking buying me Cavariches. Nor did I want to wear them. Nor did I want to wear them either. You wore Cavariches, Mike D. Mike D, you had Cavariches, right? Come on, this is an accusation. This is a stunning accusation. Mike D was fucking cool. Don't let him fool you. Mike D was fucking mad cool. I, Nick, you cannot say someone wore Cavariches and, and, and... I was not a Cavariches. My brother had Cavariches, but I did not have Cavariches. Oh, please. You're throwing Franny right under the Cavariche fucking bus, huh? Throwing your brother under the bus. I'll, I'll cop to wearing worse things. Like, I had skids over that I wore yeah, with you, one strap down, a hundred percent. But no, Cavariches was. Yeah, Mike D was like the skid king, but he wore them before everybody thought they were cool. <laughs> the skid king. Yeah, people just made fun of me and said, "Why did you wear your pajamas to school?" Yeah, and then like a year later, everybody was wearing fucking skids, which I'm I, honestly like skids, Zumba pants, any of that crap. Like I never ever had a pair of those ever in my life. <laughs> I can tell you, I had legitimately. One of the most humiliating experiences of my life in Caldor. As a child or a teenager? Um, well, that's the whole thing. So <laughs> I was a comic book kid, like through and through. Like when comic books, like Marvel now is like the cultural institution. But when, when we were growing up, like comic book kids, it was like a scarlet letter. It was not, it was not a cool thing to do. There were like three of us in town. And uh, your brother, Fran, being one of them, like the, me and him still text regularly about comic books. Um, but when the X-Men started getting big in the early 90s, it started to become more acceptable. Caldor built like a comic book rack. So you didn't have to go all the way to Time Warp and Cedar Grove or the superhero shop in the Livingston Mall. Yeah. So I get comic books there and they were making money off of it. And they announced that Spider-Man was going to be at Caldor and you could get a, a Polaroid with Spider-Man and get it signed by Spider-Man. And I went and did this and I was in, I believe I was already in like sixth or seventh grade and I'm standing in this line. And it was like one of those moments where I just realized like, man, like you gotta, at some point you gotta let your childhood go. Like I can't be, I can't be doing this. And I have, Thank God I scanned it. It's a real shitty scan. Um, but I do have a picture of me in the basement of Cal oh in, in the basement of Caldor. I wonder if I can drop it an image into the chat. Um, I have an image of me in Caldor shaking Spider-Man's hand. Was he like uh, the guy who cleans up at night and they convinced him to put on like a Spider-Man outfit or was it like, you know, It had to be some did like you like all the <laughs> The no talking moves, or did he actually talk to you? It was like posing, spraying fucking web. It, it's. I have a really terrible picture. I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen with you guys. I think that that might work. Tell me if you can see this. Oh, I can't wait to see this. Oh my gosh! Uh, Do you look like you're seven years old? I don't really know how to. Uh, 
I'm sharing the screen now. Let me know if you guys can see oh, it. Oh, cool. How'd you do that? That's, oh, my gosh. You said that. Did even stand up for you? Oh, man. No. It, it, it's. It, can you guys just verbally describe what you're seeing here and why you just said, oh, man, Mike T? Okay. So it's your, your classic, <laughs> you know, 1980s Polaroid, very faded. In the foreground... There is an extremely shabby-looking Spider-Man looking at the camera. He appears to be wearing just Spider-Man pajamas. And he's kind of shaking a very young Chris's hand, but he's actually engulfing his entire hand and looks like he's about to snap his thumb and all his fingers together and break them. And then you have a very... You can't possibly be in sixth or seventh grade here because you look like you're about four. The name of the photo is meeting Spider-Man eighth grade. So, But you guys knew me in high school. It's not shocking. I was was the most prepubescent child probably to ever step foot in the halls of West Orange High. But this, you you look actually like a very small child and you're staring at Spider-Man and you look a little bit terrified of him. You're wearing glasses. I have a mullet. A mullet and a poorly fitting green members only type jacket. And there's a woman, <laughs> a, a suburban mom behind you who looks like she's making the blowjob motion. <laughs> any other way to describe it and standing in front of someone with a balloon but my favorite part if you can zoom back out so i can see the whole photo is you remember polaroids at the bottom of them there was sort of a big tab where it would come out of it that was white space and no photo this one appears to be completely covered in <laughs> cheeto stains yellow fingerprints all maybe along blood. the bottom maybe blood <laughs> Some places to eat, some places to shop. Now we're going to hear about some people who aren't around anymore. And I want to say this, first of all, South Jersey people, I know that there's become a, a running current of rage that we are North Jersey guys reminiscing about North Jersey. I promise you, you're going to have more voicemails from South Jersey coming up later. In the meantime, they stick to North Jersey and the non-existent central jersey i mean one's from manasquan i would argue that's south jersey but people sometimes get mad at me i think that counts as south jersey representation anyway let's hear about some of the people you all remember from your youth and then we're going to talk about somebody who was very legendary in west orange for very specific reasons uh hello my name is sarah i'm from manasquan new jersey which is right on the jersey shore near point pleasant um, one figure in my town who was absolutely famous and has sadly passed away is the bicycle man. There was this elderly gentleman in my town who rode his bicycle and he would say hello to everyone he passed by and he just pedaled this bicycle around, around and around and around. And I remember being a kid and there were so many stories that he was this brilliant man and he had buried all of his money somewhere and he no longer had money and so he just rode his bike around all day and I'm not sure if any of that was real at all Um, but I do know that every single person from Manasquan can remember the bicycle man alright bye hey this is Mike from Totowa I called earlier but I totally forgot to talk about this um Totowa is known for three things. Uh, one, if I remember correctly, there's more dead people than there are alive in Totowa. Uh, from I think there's like three cemeteries. Two, Annie's Road, 
And three is Waving Joe Searcy. Uh, Waving Joe Searcy, he was a guy who I used to see every day going to school. And uh, just he would just sit on his lawn and wave to people. Uh, he'd honk the horn. He'd say, hey, what's up? You know, wave. Then the cops came, told him he couldn't wave anymore because he was causing a disturbance. And it was broadcast. I think it was on... Uh, Daily Show at one point, but uh, yeah, that's the three things Toto was known for. Um, and also, if I remember correctly, he lost a lot of money sometime like after the whole waving fiasco. He lost a lot of money, like he like he misplaced money, so he started to um, sell sodas and candy and uh, from his front lawn. So that's what I remember about Joe Cersei. All right, guys, take care. Hey, Chris, this is Sean uh, respond, responding to your call up for uh, local legends. Uh, I grew up in Haskell, which is like a town over from Pompton Lakes, and there was this guy in Pompton Lakes uh, that everybody just everybody knew as Roger. Uh, he was this big, you know, six-foot-something guy that just walked up and down Wonkyu Avenue wearing, like, a mini skirt and boa and stuff like that. Uh, and, like, literally everybody knew this guy as Roger. You know, we never met him. You might, like, walk by him uh, and give him a head nod or wave as you pass in your car on the sidewalk. Um, but he was just known for... Um, just being this big hulking dude who just loved to wear women's clothing. Um, and, you know, he died in, I think it was like 2013, and his obituary in the Bergen Records said that, you know, that he was a heterosexual, that he worked in a machine shop for a while, and just loved wearing dresses and shit. Um, you know, I would see him sometimes because I was the emo kid, and me and my friends would see him shopping at the Salvation Army. Uh, and, you know, I was pretty scrawny, so sometimes I'd buy jeans in the women's section because, you know, back this was probably, you know, 2004, 2005, and skinny jeans were not like a thing yet. Um, anyway, I was just thinking about how much the world has changed since Roger passed and, you know, how many dumbass kids and, like, dumbass adults in Haskell and Ponson Lakes and the towns around there had their, like, narrow worldview about, you know, gender norms, uh, just completely challenged by this guy who, you know, was locally famous just because he loved to fucking just strut his stuff in a skirt and look fabulous. Um, so, you know, uh, I think that that's kind of the epitome of a, of a Jersey uh, local legend, just this, uh, you know, oddball uh, who refused to fit in and uh, became sort of the love for it. Uh, anyway, you know, rest in peace, Roger. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Bye. I also want to give a shout out to uh, my childhood pediatrician, uh, Dr. Leon Small. Oh, the best ever. Every every <laughs> single kid in West Orange went to Dr. Small. Was there another pediatrician in West Orange? I don't know. I knew you were going to react that way. And Nick, you Oh, my God. In- love, the guy touched my balls 400 <laughs> times going <laughs> through fucking from probably elementary school to like high school playing sports. <laughs> I was just going to say. He's touched every guy's <laughs> balls who played sports in West Orange High School. <laughs> For probably now, 35, 40 years plus. Now, Nick, you're going to love this because I, I do the basic outline. Mike Deagles fills in the outline. You generally just wing it, which I think has been a great formula for us. I'm not criticizing, but I put Dr. Leon Small. Oh, I didn't even look at that. I'm sorry. He was the doctor crush in the high school. He had to give every athlete at the school testicle checks. He touched generations of young men's balls. I, I, he, he grabbed my testicles during my very in brief high school, my very brief <laughs> and disgraceful high school sports career but I, I honestly this is a real question what sport did you play i did track for two oh, years i was it. a pole vault <laughs> oh, <gosh. Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> and then I played one season of football, which I still have nightmares about. I am shocked by that. So your question. Like when I think about it, all I think of us flying into the air uncontrollably while people who were adult men and weightlifters <laughs> just blew, blew my legs out from under me. So Dr. Leon Small, you said you had a question. Well, in all honesty, what is the deal? Like in order to play sports, wh- why do they need to grab your balls? Like what is the thing? But there's even gym class too. Because it was probably like a liability thing. Like you had to do, you had to go... <laughs> You either had to go do your own physical or you had to do a physical with Dr. Small. And since Dr. Small was everybody's pediatrician, you just basically had to go to him and do that. They wanted to see if you had a fucking hernia or something because if you had something hernia, it was just like the spine check that they did every fucking year. Oh, yeah. Do you think any of our fucking gym teachers knew if you had fucking scoliosis by putting their fucking finger down your back and telling you to bend over and touch your fucking toes? (laughs) Oh, such a weird feeling. Now, there's a place that's taken on sort of a weird unspoken mystique when it comes to New Jersey imagery. It's not just because it was featured in an episode of The Sopranos. It's not just because there's a band named after it. It's also because it was it was this it was the place you talked about when you were trying to navigate your way around the Willowbrook Mall area and it was just full of weird stuff. We're gonna hear about Fountains of Wayne, first from Michael, then me and the guys will reminisce on it. And Michael does a beautiful job of reminiscing, not just about the place, but also the band. And uh, tribute to Adam Schlesinger, true blue gentleman of New Jersey in his own right. Hey, Chris, it's Michael from Bloomfield by way of Nutley. And I'm thinking about the things that I miss uh, from uh, from New Jersey's past. And one of them you post on your Instagram photo, and it's the legendary Fountains of Wayne on Route 46. And I miss it for a couple of reasons. One, because it was a great store. And secondly, because I remember when I saw the band of the same name for the first time as an opening act for the Lemonheads in 1996 at Roseland. And I realized there was this band opening up I'd never heard of before called Fountains of Wayne. Are they really named after that place? And then I found out that one of the guys was from Montclair, New Jersey. So it was obviously named after Fountains of Wayne. And unfortunately, that guy from Montclair, New Jersey was named Adam Schlesinger who we lost last year because of COVID. So that's two things that I miss. I miss Fountains of Wayne, the store, and I miss Adam Schlesinger. But also being from Nutley, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the ITT Tower from the ITT building that was knocked down, I want to say about 15, 16 years ago, and it drew a mob of people to watch that thing just come straight down to the ground. I mean, it was definitely a uh, an eyesight of anyone that lived within five, ten miles of Nutley, and uh, it really, really stood out. But uh, those are the things that I remember or not miss the most, especially growing up in this area. So thanks, Chris. I love the show. Keep it going. Bye. Route 46, the Fountains of Wayne. It's not just the name of a band. It was an actual store where you could buy fountains. It was insane. Me- it was awesome. Memories of Fountains of Wayne. One or two sentences. Uh, it was to to me. I didn't even honestly. I didn't even realize it was a store until I was an adult. I thought it was an attraction because my parents would say, "Oh, well, let's go to Fountains of Wayne," and we would just go there and wander around. And to a kid, you would walk through all these statues of you know Venus holding a jug of water dripping out. And I just thought I didn't realize it was a store and you could buy things. I thought it was almost like a museum. Yeah, similar. I had. No idea. I just thought it was a landmark. 
Oh, I thought it was like ancient Greece dropped into the middle of New Jersey. The most fantastic thing about it was their Christmas displays where you exactly. walk through there and they did like, they would have like animatronics and like the camel would be breathing and like it'd be moving. But like, uh, every kid did that. I still have my, and my mother still has them. I have, uh, three things that are from the fountain of Wayne because fountain of Wayne was like the, like Mecca of like the best landscape concrete, uh, figurines and stuff that you could like really find. Everything was in like one place. You know, if you wanted a fucking bird bath, you could get a bird bath. If you want some kind of like elaborate, uh, you know, whatever made out of concrete, you go there and, and you fucking find it. I to this day, my mom still has them. She has two like really nice planters that have been like either on our patio or wherever in the front of the house, like my entire life, as long as I can remember. And then uh, I also have, I inherited the concrete owl that had sat in front of my house that was from Fountain of Wayne. That's in front of my house that I have to go fucking steal back now. And, and <laughs> But the next time we do an episode, I'll bring, I'm bringing the owl back in the fucking apartment. I'm going to put him, I'm going to put him right next to the fucking fridge. But I'm reclaiming that bitch. But that's from Fountain of Wayne too. So those things, the Fountain of Wayne was like, but yeah, it was like an experience going there. It was like, you know, and a great Sopranos episode, uh, uh, film there. Uh, one of the best. When he confronts the, uh, the ex state trooper. Charles he's like, Dutton. what are you doing working here? And also we just got to say as New Jersey guys, the idea that you get a speeding ticket from a dickhead cop in Cedar Grove is the most on target specific the Sopranos ever did. Oh yeah. Gonna hear a real short but sweet one. And I'm so glad this was sent in. Uh, we're not even going to follow it up with anything Motown has to say about it because we have a lot to say. We might do a New Brunswick episode down the line, though. But nationally famous, the grease trucks. Anybody in Jersey right now is going, yes, talk about this. Hey, Gethard. And Jersey is the world podcast. What's up, guys? This is uh, Jonald. I grew up in Belleville, Jersey. And um, I actually went to Rutgers in New Brunswick. And I'm calling about places that are gone but not forgotten. When I think about that, uh, my brain goes straight to grease trucks on the New Brunswick campus at Rutgers. Uh, the funny thing about that is that I went to Rutgers around the 2000 era, like right beforehand, probably like uh, I graduated 2000, so like uh, 96 to 2000. But all of a sudden, these grease trucks started popping up all over the place in maybe 2010s as like a a hot thing to do. Like all these cities had their own grease trucks, but the whole time I was just like, then this started in, in Jersey. Like <laughs> why are people so amazed about this thing? And, uh, I really do want to give a shout out to, to the one guy that was at this grease trucks called Mr. C's. His name was Sammy. I think all the guys at the grease trucks are named Sammy. But, um, if you went super late at night, right before they would close at that time, it was like four in the morning. If you went like a, 345 and um, you were broke and there was no one else around, this guy would just hook you up with food and being like a broke college kid, this was like a godsend. Um, but also the other thing too is if you were drunk coming out of the frat parties because the frat, frat rows right across the street, you'd get like cheese fries with hot sauce for like two bucks. And that was also a lifesaver <laughs> being a broke college kid. So, um, yeah, when I think about places that are gone but not forgotten, all those grease trucks that are that were in that little um, parking lot and uh, right across from Scott Hall. And now they're just uh, these storefront 
restaurants that are on uh, Easton Ave, you know. But uh, but now I'll never forget them. So hopefully that helps y'all out. Bye. Now, it wouldn't be an episode of Woe Town if we didn't have a section where we brought one thing up, talked about it for eight seconds, and then had a classic Bonaduce tangent about something else. This one's about a visual that's near and dear to many New Jerseyans' hearts and uh, also includes a Bonaduce story of mayhem. I missed that big giant beer bottle that used to be over the parkway. Remember that thing? The Paps, b- the, the Paps, the Paps bottle. Beer, yeah, it was there forever. It's somewhere. It's in like some park or something now. But they, that always felt to me, we'd get out there in the parkway, I'd see that big giant beer bottle. My parents told me it was a ketchup bottle. It was a beer bottle. And that always felt to me like, oh, we're going somewhere. Like, we're actually on a journey. You know, I surveyed that entire property after it had been closed down and shut down. So we're down there. Wow. And uh, the bottle's still up. And uh, they're, like, doing, like, all this environmental remediation. Like, they're going to whatever. And I have to map the entire area. So that means I got to go out there and physically walk, like, every foot of around Paps Blue Ribbon. And they had these standards of, like, okay, this is an alta survey. I'm going to go 200 feet down every intersection. So... When I'm telling you I shot every inch of curb and mapped that entire area, the entire time they sent me down there the first day with this kid. He's like the whitest kid you ever met. <clears throat> so, of course, like everybody's out there and they're like, come up. So you're like, it's like, hey, man, I need to get this job interview. And they would come up to him with the paper. Can I have two dollars so I can get on the bus and get this job interview? And he's like, yeah, no problem. I was like, I was like, stop fucking giving those guys fucking money. So. <laughs> It was like legit, like dangerous over there. Like I couldn't like leave the equipment. So I'm working with this guy. I was like, you got to stay by the equipment. And I was like, then we got to have another guy down by the backside. So they're like, we don't need a guy down at the backside, blah, 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 whatever. So like all of a sudden I get a call on the radio and the guy's like, hey, I think our backside's gone. I was like, yeah, somebody fucking stole it. I was like, I fucking told you to stay down there and you didn't fucking stay down there. So there's a bar on the corner of Paps right there, like real fucking crazy ass bar. It's open like all the fucking time. You know, it's open at like probably four o'clock in the morning. Go in there, and I was like, hey, I was like, I gotta ask you a question. He's like, what, man? I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm doing some work out here. I said, somebody took my backside. I said, I need to know, I was like, who I gotta pay to get this thing back. He's like, hold on two minutes. He's like, let me make a couple phone calls. He's like, (laughs) two minutes later, the guy fucking comes back, and they're like, yo, it's $20 if you want it back. We're like, all right, no problem. So I go after that fucking guy. I won't say his name. Bob, I was like, hey, Bob, give me fucking $20. I was like, he's like, why? I was like, do you want the backside back or not? He's like, he's like, yeah, I guess so. I was like, give me fucking $20. So I take the $20, I go in, and I fucking pay this guy off, and I come out with a fucking tripod with a fucking survey backslide on the back of it. Down there, the whole time, I was like, oh, my God. So that's my Paps Blue Ribbon fucking story. But the bottle was still in the building, and I think somebody bought it, and they were supposed to put it in a park somewhere or something like that. I want to end tonight thinking about some of the places we used to go for fun. Some of the things we did. And experienced, and some of them are just warm, pleasant memories that you guys sent in. Thank you for those. Some of them are about things that are a little more ridiculous. Thank you for those. And then Mike D brings some stuff up that we can all agree fits that New Jersey mold of why are so many places we set up for kids to have fun so goddamn dangerous? Hi, this is Jeanette. I'm in PA now, but I all my life I lived in New Jersey in uh, Mars County, and. There was a family of, we were a family of seven kids, and every year we used to go at least once to Bertrand's Island in Lake Apacon. We used to have a lot of fun. That was a, a, a good time. There's so many other things, but for now that's the one that, you know, I wanted to mention. 
and I'd love to hear the podcast on all the other stuff. Enjoy. Bye. Hey, Chris. My name is Michelle. Um, I grew up in Union Beach, New Jersey, in Monmouth County, which no one knows unless you say you're from Keyport. But I'm calling as I saw your Instagram post about uh, shit that, like, uh, what are the aspects of Jersey that are gone but not forgotten and places demolished. And there actually was a place in uh, Middletown, uh, and if anybody that's from that area knows that in the Middletown ShopRite Plaza, there used to be a place where kids could go for parties and shit like that. It was called Imagine That. And it was kind of like, um, you know, a poor man's Liberty Science Center kind of place. But I just remember, you know, going through, you know, they had touch tunnels of, you know, space and they had like half of an airplane you could go inside of like the cockpit and play with all the buttons. It was just a really, a really cool place that we always went to for parties and uh, school, uh, school trips, things like that. And, you know, my mom always took us there over the weekend. It was just it was just a lot of fun, and, and when the second I read your post, that was the uh, first and only place that, that came into my mind, and it's a lot of nostalgia, and I'm sure for a lot of people that live in this area will know immediately what uh, what we're talking about. So, um, right, Chris, thanks a lot. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Hey, Chris. It's Brian from Tom's River, New Jersey City. The thing from New Jersey that's gone but definitely not forgotten, City Gardens, Trend. I mean, what an amazing, horrible venue to see punk rock shows in the 80s and 90s. Um, for five bucks on a Friday, you can go to a dance club. It was just amazing. I uh, went to Trent State College, and you know, having City Gardens just to walk away, it was amazing to see bands like uh, Circle Jerks. Uh, I saw Danzig's first show ever. I saw the Rollins Band's uh, first show ever um, at City Gardens. Yeah, so it's gone but not forgotten, and it's still standing today. It's still there. It's falling apart, but it's still there just as a of a memory of uh, what it used to be. There'll never be a, a place like that in New Jersey or anywhere um, anytime soon. Good luck. Hey, Chris. Uh, it's Allie May. I'm from uh, Jersey, currently living in Asbury Park. Um, my favorite things that I remember are, uh, you know, from being younger, it's all like punk stuff, you know, like cool like big noise was a recording studio in New Brunswick. I used to go hang out there as a teen and kinda like watch older older kids, high schoolers rehearse and stuff. Uh Black Cat Records and Red Bank and all of those little like funky little stores like um Bizarre Bizarre and Groove Spot and the stuff that really made you like wanna go to Red Bank. Um Asbury Lanes, um in Asbury Park. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to go to punk shows at this place called The Palace in Downbrook. Uh, that was the first time I ever saw The Bouncing Souls, and I think I was 12 years old. Um, I don't know. What else? What else? It's hard to think. Um, lots of cool stuff in Mystic Beast Chucks, uh, uh, like little weird landmarks. I miss Jim's Burger Haven on Route 36. And I believe that was considered Keyport or Hazlitt, uh, the Watermelon Bar and Leonardo. Uh, yeah, lots of cool stuff. Thanks so much. Rock on, dude. Later. Hey, Chris. This is John Portman calling from San Francisco. I grew up in Fairhaven, New Jersey. And I wanted to tell you about the thing that is gone but not forgotten for anyone who's in their early 30s that grew up in Monmouth County is... PNC Bank Art Center, which 
is more specifically the golden era of PNC Bank Art Center between the years of 2005 and 2008, where it was this little sweet spot between when all of the kids from upper middle class high schools in the area learned that they could go there and just have a completely unsupervised, ridiculous, crazy banger party. Um, and it was before the authorities cracked down on it. But it for a couple years, it was a incredible scene of debauchery of just 14-year-olds running around wild on every drug you could imagine. Um, and it was all brought down by one mother who picked up her daughter there um, and sent a very long email essay to all of the parents and all of the principals and superintendents of schools in the region explaining the horrors that she witnessed there, um, which incurred the wrath of all these concerned parents and local authorities, and they decided to crack down on the rules. But there were a couple years there where it was a pretty incredible experience for um, concerts, every everyone from Akon to Gwen Stefani to the Doobie Brothers to the Allman Brothers. Um, anyway, anyone you ask who attended a concert during those years will know exactly what I'm talking about. Anyway, love the show. Hope you're doing well. And, uh, yeah, that's it for me. Now, talk to me down the shore trampoline parks, and I believe Waterworks is on this list, was also down the shore, if I remember right, correct? Yeah, they're both down the shore places. I was thinking that a really sad thing that's gone and not forgotten is when you would go down the Jersey Shore as a kid, they used to have these trampoline parks. And basically, remember, it was a giant concrete parking lot, and then there were these concrete pits. pits. That were I was going to say, like they were in pits. Six or seven feet deep, and over them were stretched these trampolines, these really big trampolines. And you would go on them, and you would fly off, and there was no padding. You would just fly off onto concrete. <laughs> and I remember being injured there multiple times, and I remember a girl that I grew up with got really injured there, like broke both her arms because she flew off the trampoline, which if you throw a kid on the trampoline, they're just going to go for it. And, you know, if you miss the trampoline, you were basically just falling onto a concrete parking lot. So I guess those things don't <sighs> don't exist anymore, sadly. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Probably for the best. There's a there's a new version of that now, but you sign your life away when you go into them. like any kind of those like sky parks and stuff down here. They have these big warehouses just full of trampolines. It's the same thing. And they give the illusion of it being a little bit safer because they put, like, foam on the edge of things. Do you understand? Like, these people are launching themselves 20 feet up in the air. And, like, when you lose control 20 foot up in the air and you come down, like, on these trampolines, because I was doing it myself. I swear to God, I scared the crap out of myself in this place. I was so high in the air. Then you finally realize, I was like, oh, my God, I can see the rafters in, like, this warehouse. <laughs> and then at that moment, like, you know, you lose your concentration and you come down and the wrong does it, you know, if you don't come down straight down and you hit an ankle. Nikki Bonaduce flying off like at 30 degrees, like landing on my shoulder. I like I couldn't walk straight at work. I was like, I got to go to work tomorrow. I was like, oh, my God, my back's all fucked up. I was like, you know, and I'm not like that old at the time. I was only like 30 something years old. But like those trampolines, even the ones that they have now are dangerous. So the ones before, they would just hook up trampolines in between uh, concrete meridians. Oh Kids are coming down and land on it. And that's like now you go in there like, oh, like you have to sign this waiver. Make sure you read it all the way through. Like if anything fucking happens happens to you when you're here we don't give a shit and we remove ourselves of all fucking liability sign your fucking life away right here 
we were at an adult party and like three people fucking like hurt themselves so bad they couldn't go to dinner afterwards they had to go to the fucking urgent care I was like what the fuck's wrong with you I was like you're 40 years old you can't go fucking jumping on trampolines and do whatever the fuck you're gonna be hurting afterwards but yeah imagine down the shore like oh it's like it's the summer Johnny went down he was on the trampoline he broke his fucking femur his leg got stuck in the fucking spring there's fucking blood everywhere but uh, we had a good time you know we just put some fucking duct tape on it and we stayed at the motor lodge now first things first I gotta thank everybody who's called in with their memories and if this has brought about any of your New Jersey memories of things from the past or even things from the present Anything you want to address, 973-780-4660. As you can see, we really think of this as a community. We really like putting you, the listeners, on the show. I I consider myself the point guard, but it's a celebration of this place, which also means it's a celebration of the the people, and you are those people. Now, we're going to end tonight with something truly joyous it's one of the aforementioned people who is mad that we don't have as much south jersey talk as we should and you're right but i do again 973-780-4660 south jersey people call in about anything i want more south jersey on the show that being said steve is a little mad at us he's also a forgetful guy all right everybody this is it for me i'll let steve end things hope you enjoyed hey guys uh, this is Steve. Hey, I grew up in, uh, like, I don't know. Let's just start from the beginning. Uh, you should change the podcast name to North Jersey is the world because all you ever do is talk about West Orange and all of that. Uh, there's so much more to Jersey. Uh, I grew up in, uh, like, South Jersey, uh, Mount Holly, Burlington, uh, Pemberton, Shitty Browns Mills. Uh, that area. Uh, so hopefully you get more uh, voicemails from people from South Jersey. Uh, what I uh, remember about Jersey growing up was uh, going to the shore and, uh, and I forget what they were called, but they were like those, uh, those giant crabs. Oh, what the hell? Um, I can't remember what they were called, but they were like, uh, like those, those, big hard-shelled crabs that would be walking around and you'd like pick them up and throw them in. Uh, they're like reptiles from ancient years. Uh, anyway, uh, I love listening to North Jersey is the world. Um, and anyway, that's all I got. Keep doing what you're doing. It's good. Don't forget South Jersey. Hey, it's Steve again, uh, from South Jersey. Uh, I remember it, uh, horseshoe crabs. I don't know why I forgot that. Uh, but horseshoe crabs, I, I remember those dinosaur things uh, all over uh, when I would go to the shore as a kid. Uh, and then like jellyfish, but jellyfish aren't gone uh, and certainly not forgotten. Horseshoe crabs, I forgot about, uh, obviously, by my last voicemail. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for sharing. Uh, North Jersey is the world with us. Bye.